Hi, this is Jen. Hi, I'm Larissa. And I'm Jamila. We welcome you to the Straighten Your Crown podcast, where we are committed to equipping you with truth, hope, faith, and love as we endeavor to be mindful of the thoughts that we adorn. So today's topic is the devaluation of family. And to devalue something means to reduce or underestimate the worth or importance of. So guys, what do you think of when you think of the devaluation of family? I think it's really broad and I think it can vary, but I think one basic um, principle that would apply to any situation is a family living without God. And I think from there, it branches off into so many things. So um, in my situation, like I have experienced the devaluation of family in the sense that I'm raising children without their biological father. But at the same time, um, because I know God is in the picture, I think that's different than my upbringing where I had two parents, but no God. Mm-hmm. And I think to an extent, both of those um, do devalue family, even though very different. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, when I think about devaluing the family, it means that you're taking away from something like when you say devaluing it means that something has value you know it has value but you intentionally or in or unintentionally taking away something that belongs to that and i feel like when we talk about devaluing the family it means that the place that the family should be um, taking in terms of responsibility priority in terms of what do we put first and how do we um, see family in the light of that? I think that's where we see the devaluing when when you start to take away yeah. respect, you start to take away honesty, reliability, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, so when you talk about the place of the family and the priority, where where do we find what that should be? Like, how do we determine that? Because I think in today's culture, family has taken on many different definitions. But where do we find what it means to really value family? How should a family really look? I think the foundational truth for any aspect of living is found in the Word of God. And... I think when we think of devaluation of family, we can't allow culture or societal norms of the current day to define it. So, you know, and this is not to be offensive or derogatory, but when I see children, and I have seen children raised in um, a family with like two dads in a homosexual marriage, that's not God's design for the way to bring up children. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I could say the same thing about myself. It's not God's design for me to be raising children without their father either. So I think ultimately, like, we need to look to the word of God to define um, how to do so and not allow culture 
to dictate, but I also think we need to figure out what is the purpose of family and how do we raise a family? Because there are families that don't have children. Okay, so what is the purpose of a family? So I think when we just look at it at face value, your family is um, generally your genealogy, your biological family you're born into, in terms of like your parents, your siblings. Um, and I feel so that is at its essential level family or how even the world might define family. Although we do know that there is a, a more inclusive way of looking at family. So you look at like your church family, that's a family in itself. But I would say like a family um, has some common areas where they connect, whether it is by blood, literally, mm -hmm. whether it is by accepting a certain type of norm, standards of operating, values, morals, um, things like that. Um, and that's idealistic. Mm -hmm. That's idealistic. Yeah. So even in a biological family, we might not have all these things. But I think when I think about it, I look at it in that way because I feel like when God looks at family, that's some of the things that we see because we know that family is mentioned a lot of times. But there is different type of value that is put or placed on different types of families, your biological family, your church family, you know, the greater church, which is also a family, like the body of Christ is also a family, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that family in its smallest form then can affect the bigger representation of family. So us as believers mm -hmm. have to have our biological families um, secure, you know, kind of um, together, you know, um, s I guess have the same uh, common, um, you know, kind of ways of thinking, common ways of, um, of doing things, certain standards by which we do things. And then that will affect the church family because we are all part of a church family. And if the church family then is, is strengthened by these nuclear families, let's say, then that strong church is a strong community. That community is a nation. And mm -hmm. that's just basically how I see it in terms of like, almost like the ripple effect. Right, so taking you it know? from the small level yes, to a larger scale. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What do you think, Jamila? Well, I'm going to take it back for a second. <laughs> mm -hmm. I looked up the definition of family in the dictionary because I just I just was curious to see mm -hmm. what it says. Mm -hmm. And in the Merriam dictionary, it says the basic unit in society traditionally consisting of two parents rearing their children. Right. Also, any of various social units differing from but regarded as equivalent to the traditional family. So an example of that, a single parent family. 
Now, I found that definition interesting for a few reasons. <laughs> um, first, the basic unit in society traditionally consisting of two parents rearing their children. While I know that that's ideal, I think about what about a husband and wife who can't have children? Like there's still a family, and I know that it. I know that it does show the example that there are various differing units. But then, I guess I wonder. Um, it's a kind of wonder coming from like the perspective of okay, we know that God in the beginning He created man, He created woman, He told them go forth and multiply, and that was the original family. We also know that all of these other variations of family come out of the fact that we live in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. So while there's the ideal, idealistic family, um, we do see various forms of family. But then I just wonder, what is it that gives the family unit value? So like when you say taking away from family, mm -hmm. like what is it that takes away from family? Because you can have husband and wife and children and they're the traditional ideal family, right. but there's still a devaluation yeah. that takes place within that family. So what should that family be looking at as the thing that gives them their value as a family? Um. I was not prepared for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's good though. Um, because like, I know for me, like in the beginning, I just mentioned how to like, without God, the, like a key foundational piece isn't there for family. But the truth is there are many families out there that are doing well and have like the idealistic setup of a family with mother, father, and children who don't believe in, or who, who aren't Christians, mm -hmm. right? So speaking or thinking about even the family that I come from, there were um, common goals, there were common truths. Um, a lot of it, like we were taught about like our culture and our ancestry and our heritage where um, our family came from. And then some of the healthy things I can say is that like there were family patterns that were established. Um, there was the extension of like freedom, there was discipline. So I think there are characteristics and qualities that go into families, whether you're a believer, like a family that who is a consists of believers or not. But now as a Christian, I can see the importance of um, being united in Christ because that's the one thing that is not going to ever change. Whereas when I think about my family um, and just like the cultural upbringing that they had, my parents, versus the cultural upbringing that my sister and I had, just within one generation, there's like a huge difference, right? Whereas I think with a family that is raised on the foundation as of Jesus, um, even gener generationally, that's not going to change, though the culture may change. Okay, but can a Christian family also be devalued? Yeah, absolutely. So and what I is it that devalues it? I don't think you can pinpoint it to one particular thing. Um, I think when, like, even when we talk about sin, 
my sin could be sexual immorality, your sin could be lying, but the bottom line is that sin is sin, right? Mm -hmm. But the consequences of each sin have different levels of severity. So I think like the simple answer to that would be sin. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, Jen, in terms of sin. Uh, I think because then it, sin then manifests itself in different ways. So I would look at a family in terms of responsibility. What's our responsibility to each other? Parents to children, children to parents, husbands to wives. Because if you know you're responsible for somebody, it means that the focus is not on me and what I can get and what satisfies me, but it's about what are we building together. It takes the I away. And I think when I think about family in terms of families that you do see that are really, you know, tight. Mm -hmm. We say, you know, that family is so tight. It's because they understand these things about, um, you know, how... How do we relate to each other? How do we serve each other? How yeah. do we give to each other? And I think when I when I think about responsibilities, I think about commitment, I think about um, truth and honesty, I think about these things because, yes, you might not be a Christian family, mm -hmm. but truth might be the standard by which your family works. And I know for everyone, there's a different shape to how that looks because you might come from a family where they allow you free speech and you can say how you feel. But then there are more conservative ways of bringing up family where you're not allowed to just say whatever you want. You know, there's a certain respect for elders or, you know, things like that. So I think under the umbrella of God, there's all these different sort of streams in terms of how one should be living there. Yeah. There's no cookie cutter, like, you know, this is exactly how it's going to work because you're also dealing with culture. You're dealing with um, with each individual person. So you're looking at a, a couple. You're looking at how the wife has been brought up in her family, mm -hmm. how the husband is brought up in his family. And together, they come and they set a different tone for their own family right. because they realize that, yes, my family might have been great, but there's certain deficiencies in my family that I, you know, I don't see in another family. But I think, you know, Jamila, where you see things like abuse, where you see things like um, not only just like physical abuse, emotional abuse, where you see that um, people are just put together in this group because of blood, but they have not developed relationship with each other. I think that's where you see the value being taken away because it's not giving given the priority you know mm -hmm. um that it it should be so then i wonder when i hear you say that does it begin with the value of the individual yes mm -hmm. i think so yeah but i think valuing the individual to the fullest human capacity it comes from valuing and being able to understand who god is right so it's like and, and i'm not trying to be again like super spiritual but i think without understanding or without the knowledge of god there's only so far that we can go in our own humanness mm -hmm. and you know like i think about 
when I got married, nobody stands at an altar saying I do, thinking that this is going to crumble. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the hope. And the truth is, like, when you have two sinful people coming together, it takes a lot of hard work to make it work. It's not, you know, like we think about fairy tales and it's like this happily ever after and that's something that I wanted and I shared. But the reality is like it takes a lot of work and I think for us to be able to really and truly in a godlike way be able to consider someone else more important than ourselves, we have to look to the example that Christ left for us. And like for me, that's just the bottom line. Mm And I'm kind of glad that you even brought up that union of marriage that is often so foundational to the beginning of the family. Because when you think of that, um, like you said, value of the individual, I think back to the verses, um, wives, respect your husbands, mm-hmm. husbands, love your wives, mm-hmm. and like what that means and how in a sense you could you could say wives value your husbands husbands value your wives yeah. and if that's the foundation that you're building on then obviously when you have children you're going to put that same value into that unit mm-hmm. as well and again going back to what Larissa said earlier it grows from there into like growing beyond your family to community because yes. you're not just going to value the individuals that are in your own family, but you're going to value any individual, see the basic human dignity that everybody Mm -hmm. should have. But then I also think, um, like you said earlier, Jen, that there's, there's a grace that God gives to allow families that are not believers to also partake in that valuing of what a family should look like. Um, I think when we decided at first to talk about this topic of devaluing family, we did want to talk about like the breakdown of the family Mm -hmm. unit and the quote unquote attack on family in society Mm -hmm. today. So I want to ask you guys, uh, what your thoughts are on that, on the, I don't want to I don't want to say unintentional because I think that in some ways it is very intentional, but the attack on family. What do you think about that? Well, I feel first of all, we're not fighting a fight that's against flesh and blood. So I think like for me to know that and because oftentimes even within my own family, like there have we have moments of dysfunction or, you know, like a season of it and I'm at a place now where it's like if someone is saying something to me or saying something about me I need to realize that this isn't necessarily a direct attack on me and me knowing um, the truth and the gospel and also understanding that like I was far from God and he had to adopt me to bring me into his family and that extension of love and that extension of grace when I was far off I need to extend that outwardly to people who aren't you know dealing with me the way I would want them to. And so I think in a nutshell, to answer that question, it's just going back to the fact that like, we're all going to fail, we're all going to fall short, but we also need to realize, like, especially for us as Christian women, that we weren't, like, no one is born a Christian. All of us come into the faith through adoption um, because of what Jesus has done. 
and I think to become part of a family through adoption um, is just a, like an example for us on how we are to treat others regardless of like what the culture defines as family regardless of an intentional or unintentional breakdown um, towards it just to remember that like we're first of all we're not fighting against flesh and blood and when it comes to things that are so close to the heart of God but also on the other hand to look at the way we've been brought into God's family yeah I think um, that question that you asked I mean that's quite a I think it's quite a broad um, question to think about because I think that we are constantly challenged with prioritizing family and I think you know a simple example would be do you have children as a woman over your career that could be devaluing in a sense that if I really want to be successful and I want to be a mom I have to choose it's not that I might necessarily want to choose but it's the way things are structured that I have to study for so many years how am I going to give myself to my studying if I have a baby that I have mm -hmm. to see to how do I give myself to my children when I have to think about a career and I think that there's so many pressures all the time for us as humans living in this earth you know that sometimes those choices or the right choice becomes blurred because we don't know so that's why we have some you know women that are much older trying to have children but you know they realize now that you know their biological clock is ticking and they there's a pressure to now conceive and that pressure and stress is actually negative because now they can't conceive because mm -hmm. they you know anxiety is taking over and I think this technical balance is just it's really difficult but I, I agree with what Jen is saying is that the foundations that you have in Christ have to determine the decisions you make in your life mm -hmm. and even if it seems completely ridiculous I feel like sometimes you have to make those decisions and especially as believers and I'm not saying that everybody you know has to have this experience of having children or you know having a husband or having because there's no set way of how things should be you know so I'm not saying that um, but I think about myself and you know for like six years giving up my career to raise my children yes it was difficult because you know we basically had my husband who was carrying most of the financial responsibilities you know yeah. let's be like let's be honest you know yeah. um, but there was never a day that my children went hungry that we went to bed without eating anything mm -hmm. or we lacked anything because God still provided in that situation in the same way as he would provide for a family where the mother and father will be working and they have all these responsibilities I feel like you know there's a constant battle as it is as the battle goes on mm -hmm. you know with all the different aspects of our lives and I think you know even though in the work environment then how you know you you have to choose your job or like your boss will make you choose you know I will give his position but it's a lot of traveling it's a lot of this it's a lot of that you know how does this work 
because you have children. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, yeah. you ask those questions. So yeah. now it's like, okay, so what do I choose? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the dynamic nature in how God has created us anyways, is right. with choice. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants us to be able to have that choice. But I think making the right decisions with that choice has given us is the most difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the right mm-hmm. thing? So, yeah, I hope that answers somewhat of your question (laughs) but you know as you think of that i think of submission right because i think Mm -hmm. to be a successful family there everyone to a degree needs to be able to submit whether that's Mm -hmm. parents to children um you know the the parents or the leaders of the family like the authoritative figures in the family to god and submission takes strength and it also takes um dignity Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm. right and i feel like to to be able to submit, you're saying that I'm going to trust God more with this area mm-hmm. um, than I'm going to trust myself. So I'm actually facing that. Like, I'm my maternity leave will be up in a few months. And I'm going, okay, so do I want to go back and work 40 hours a week and put these babies in daycare? Or do I want to maybe, pr- like, look into taking a night job where I can work, like, two or three shifts and they won't have to be in daycare, right? So there is a level of compromising. But I think if we're willing to submit, whether that's, like I said, like parent to God or child to parent or whoever to whoever, um, I think, you know, like the results can be successful. But I also think that like ultimately we need to understand that whatever situation you're in, whatever the unit, family unit might look like, if you trust in God, he is going to provide. Mm. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't, like he still provides. I mean, there's a lot to unpack (laughs) in what both of you said. Um, hmm. I think back to when Jen used the word dysfunctional families, that we're all dysfunctional at some point. And it just made me think how, yeah, when you look at the Bible, right, from the very beginning, the very first family was dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of got the wheel spinning as to, well, why would God create the very first family and allow them to be dysfunctional? Mm -hmm. But then to think throughout all of scripture that every single family was dysfunctional. And if we're really honest with ourselves, every family on this earth is Mm -hmm. dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. But then that comes back to like what Jen said about none of us being born believers and us having to be adopted in to God's family so then my train of thought goes to so is God's family the standard and in saying is God's family the standard then I don't mean Adam and Eve and their children because we saw what they did Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean God's redeemed family which is his church so as much as we say you know that we have our individual families that create the communities I wonder though if it should be the church family primarily not to say that they're the ones Mm -hmm. that you know are your priority like I'm not saying prioritize church but at the same time I'm saying like this set of redeemed people who know Christ and 
who see God the Father ultimately as their father and the standard of yeah. what a parent should be, are they the ones that should be setting the ultimate example of what value in a family looks like? Meaning, in our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ mm -hmm. submitted to God, is that the ultimate standard? Because that family, while it doesn't consist of mother, father, and children, it consists of God the Father and his children. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. And I, I say yes because, like Larissa said earlier, sometimes in our families we're connected through blood. Like, it's biological, right? Mm -hmm. And I have family members that I tolerate, right? Not necessarily people that I embrace. Whereas I think of God's family, and it's not a matter of I'm going to tolerate this person. It's I'm going to embrace this person. And I've experienced that. Um you know, through my pregnancy, I'm going like, I have twins, how am I going to get through this, right? And then someone from the church will step in and be like, hey, here's two car seats, or hey, I got you diapers. And to me, like, going through that experience, and I know I talk about it a lot, but it's, I'm able to talk about it a lot because I saw God's hand through it the whole way. And even when I faltered and I failed, he just kept providing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going like, to be honest, we were taken care of in a way that I don't think my husband would have been able to provide for us. And yeah, so to answer your question, Jamila, I think yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so I would say both, yes and no. Mm -hmm. Because I think the ultimate standard is God. Mm -hmm. He is the ultimate and the reason I say that is because even in the church, people are striving for perfection. None of us are perfect. Yeah. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to be whatever. So, you know, you find this in in like huge churches sometimes when the pastor falls, the entire church crumbles, which should not be the case because if you're not building on a man, a human man, and you're building on God, then the structure will remain intact. Yeah. And I feel like that is why, as much as, yes, we have to place value with our church community. And we have to, you know, there's, God is going to put these people in our place, that, in place, sorry, that are going to lead us, like Moses led the Israelites. Mm -hmm. There's always people appointed for a season and a time in God. Mm -hmm. But those people are still human. Those people are still one step away from sin. Those people are still incomplete can fail etc and i think mm -hmm. that you know um it can be very easy and i've seen it before where families have been so committed to a church to a church group and they so on fire for god and they so you know they've had their best days yeah. but the moment the structure of the church is shook a little bit see but i know? don't mean the structure of the church i mean the church universal i mean god's family period right because if we're going to talk about the sinfulness of man there's sin in every single person mm -hmm. so exactly. whether it's your blood family or it's your church family mm -hmm. there is sin so it goes back mm -hmm. to what you said the foundation mm -hmm. is not people mm -hmm. at all the foundation mm -hmm. always has to be god mm -hmm. right but when I think about all the brokenness 
of humanity. And I think that, yes, there are single mothers, there are single fathers, there are men and women who will never get married and never have children. There are people who come from Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist, whatever background, and they become believers and their family disowns them and the church is all that they have, right? And so in that sense, when I'm talking about the church family as setting the standard, it goes back to, well, God the Father is love, and God calls us to, above all else, love him and love our neighbors. Mm -hmm. But we see in the Bible where it says that they will know us by our love for one another, which doesn't mean our love for people outside of the church. It means our love for people in the church. So then even when we see Jesus's mother and his brothers coming to look for him in the scripture, and Jesus says, who who is my mother? Like, who is my Mm brother? Who are my brothers? Right, and he's not saying they're not my mother and my brother, right. but he's saying here in this moment, this family that I'm speaking to now, mm-hmm. that I'm serving right now, this is the family that is of most importance, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, that's what I wonder about. And again, I'm not saying that you don't care about your blood family because you do. Mm-hmm. The Bible shows us that clearly. But, I mean, as believers, we're called to love. Like, ultimately, above all things, we're called to love, whether it's our brothers and sisters in the church or it's our neighbor outside of the church or it's the people in our family. Mm -hmm. But I just always think of that term, blood is thicker than water, and I'm like, how much truth is there in that? Because it isn't always the case. Mm -hmm. And when I think of blood being thicker than water, I always think, yeah, but Christ's blood is thicker than everyone's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's ultimately, supremely what I'm looking at. Yeah. Right? So, like, that's what I mean when I think of, is the church supposed to set the standard that we're looking at? And like Jen said, and being even the hands and feet of Jesus and coming alongside mm-hmm. people, like, we're all, we always see in scripture, the church is called to take care of widows and orphans. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, God... He supplies for our brokenness, Mm -hmm. right? He understands that we are sinful, we are fallen, we will always fall short, and it will always be his grace and mercy that come back to restore us, to restore us and reconcile us to him Mm -hmm. and to the way that we should be. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah, I mean, I think think what you're saying, Jumila, is true, because then if we don't have... If we as believers or those who are adopted into the family of Christ in in terms of really wanting, not by religious standards, not by just like I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. but by relationship with God and our commitment to God the Father, it should display in our lives, it should display in our families. And our families should be able to display to the community what God's intent is for family. And I think that's where, what you try, you know, like where you kind of heading to. And it's true. That's why we also have a responsibility then to realize that if we don't value our own family as Mm -hmm. believers, Mm -hmm. we displaying dysfunction Mm -hmm. to society. Mm -hmm. We're showing dysfunction, you know, to, um, to people out there. You know, and it comes back to someone like Jen, the way she is managing the situation she finds herself in with the babies and not having a husband. 
she's actually showing a functional way mm -hmm. of how something that you could say was allotted to her in this scenario, she how God is stepping in and filling that family unit and making it whole, even though there's a missing dad or in a place where there's a missing mom or, mm -hmm. you know, missing children for that matter, where mm -hmm. someone cannot have children. I think that you're right, because then that is the higher call for all of us. Right. Like we mm -hmm. all, me included in this whole thing is that we are displaying something to the world and is it something worth showing, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. or, yeah. So there is a responsibility then in, in yeah. how we do things too. I just want to say this in terms of like being a single mother. When I was pregnant, Jamila, like you know, I really, really, really struggled. And I felt like a lot of it had to do with the statistics on what like it looks like to be a single mother and what like the outcome mm. is when you're raised in a single mother, like in a single family home. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, like I've said before, I don't feel like a single parent. Like I know I'm not. I'm co-parenting with God. And ultimately, whether you're from a two-parent home or a one-parent home or your grandmother's taking care of you, like, whatever that looks like, I think we need to understand that each person and children especially, like, no, not children especially, but I'm thinking about my children as I'm saying this, they, they have been given to me for this time and they are a joy and they're my, it's my responsibility, as you say, Larissa, to bring them up in the way of the Lord, but ultimately, they belong to God. So I don't have to fret and I don't have to worry, which is what I did through my whole pregnancy mm -hmm. um, in terms of like the outcome. Like I will do all that I can do and show them that this is the truth. This is what we stand on. But ultimately for me, I'm not from a Christian home, but I am a Christian mm -hmm. because God drew me to himself. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of peace and a lot of freedom found in that. But one thing oh, like stepping aside from kids that I wanted to share was I grew up in a home where my grandmother, so my dad's mom, was always living with us. And that caused a lot of dysfunction. And that's why, like, when we turn to the word, we can see it's like, when you get married, you know, you go off and start your own family, right? And obviously for my parents, that wasn't really something, first of all, because of cultural norms, that, you know, like, you can get married and, like, the in-laws live with you and that sort of thing. But also she moved around, my grandmother moved around from like this home, from this son to this daughter, to this daughter, to this daughter, whatever. And ultimately it left dysfunction in each home that she resided in for the time that she was there. And she's passed on now, but when I think of some of the things that happened in our home because it wasn't just our immediate family, so like mom, dad, kids, and my parents did not follow biblical principles in that sense, um, I think of just the truth that's found in here and the wisdom that's found in the Word of God and how we're not left without instruction. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you know, we can go off and yes, it might not look, like for me especially, it didn't look the way I thought it would look, but I'm not left alone. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's remarkable. So any closing thoughts? I would also like to say <laughs> that as a Christian, like I haven't been a Christian for that long. It's only been like six, seven years, but I'm very grateful for the functionality that I find within the brothers and sisters I have within the church that may not have necessarily come from 
the home. And I don't mean to sound like I came from like such a broken home and this and that because I don't. Like I have both my parents and I have my sister and it's a loving home, but like I just really need God and I also need people who need God. Yeah, I think in closing for from my side, I feel like um there is no when we talk about value, I think it's a continuous adding of value to to what our family means to us. And I don't think that it's something that comes easy. I think it comes with a lot of work. Uh, comes a lot with, you know, laying down of what we think the ideal family should look like, especially once you get married. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a constant movement and motion towards understanding what God has to say and is saying about family and how it should operate. Mm-hmm. So the work happens at home, the work happens in our church churches, like mm-hmm. our structural churches, but the work also happens in the marketplace and when we're outside, when we're in work, mm-hmm. and how we then display, for lack of a better word, what family should be like to our co-workers that might not know Christ or might know Christ but not know how to value family you know so I think there's this um, we are learning we are moving but in the same time we're also displaying what we already know or what we've already learned Um, yeah work in progress Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think of one of my favorite Bible Passages is what I'm going to use to close with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm just looking for it. I was unprepared. <laughs> it's okay. Forgive me, guys. Um, I think of Jesus and his disciples, and in John 17, Jesus says, I have revealed you those whom you gave me out of the world they were yours you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word now they know that everything you have comes have given me comes from you for i gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them they knew with certainty that i came from you and they believed that you sent me i pray for them i am not praying for the world but for those you have given me for they are yours All I have is yours and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And I think of that because to me, it displays the unity within the body of Christ, that Jesus is saying, God, you've, you've created this family. You've called this family. And now they're yours. And now my prayer for them is that they would be one. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well, thanks so much, ladies, for um, this discussion um, on family. And thanks for sharing so openly uh, about each and every uh, one of you how you feel about it and thank you so much to our listeners today for joining us again for another session 
for straightening your crown. We value each of you and are so um, glad that you're here to join us again today. We'd like to hear from you, so please do make sure to drop your thoughts and messages on our Instagram page, which is at SYC Podcast. That's at, at SYC Podcast. We look forward to hear from you. Until next time, we leave you with another inspiring spoken word piece on our lips. Members only. I've been taught I'm a part of a body, a body that now defines me. Not that I am what it is, but that it is who I am. There's also a structure that is known by man, but I'm unconvinced it's a part of God's plan. It's an organized convention of a corporately modeled system, lacking organic involvement by the living organism it should represent. Or allow me to say it clearer. It's a business rather than a collective of members working in unison to respond to the glory of God's great story. We seem to have taken its growth and worth upon ourselves and away from the spirit playing number games while souls are barren and caring less and less about the coherent nature of God and his kingdom. Please hear me strong. I'm not out calling God's people all wrong. I'm simply calling God's people out of false security into harm's way to stand on truth and share in Christ's suffering, all for his namesake, to be awakened from the dead and made a living sacrifice. There are widows and orphans in our midst, broken hearts and troubled spirits, but there are songs of joy pronounced by a plot of love with a ploy to call attention to the one and the only Son who saves and redeems men from the innate evil within. Love, we are called to above all things, first for him and then us, his children, for this is how men will know us. This is the fruit we shall bear, love that covers a multitude of sin, love that restores and brings great assurance, love because love wins. And so in love I am my brother's keeper, but more than that I am keeper of the word, I am a member of a body dwelling not in buildings but as spirits connected by a father who is relentless in his pursuit to keep us, his children, on the straight narrow path. I'm a member of a body called and gifted, and I'm here for it, for you, for us, for him.